you're listening to General Admission, where we bring you your front row ticket to the stories behind the sound. Hey guys, this is episode six of General Admission. I'm Genevieve and I'm here with Alessandra. Yes, and we're also here with some very special guests. Would you like to introduce yourselves? (laughs) (laughs) My name's Doug. And your name is Lee. My name is Lee. Yeah. <laughs> we are a band from Melbourne called Cheever and the Hazards. Nice. Yeah, thank you so much for um, coming and hanging on the podcast with us for this episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks for the invite. We should do like a little intro on you guys and like what you do and your band and just like a little summary just so our listeners can get to know you guys. If you guys just like want to talk a little bit about you guys and like the music that you've released, your little sort of story, I don't know, some your, your band up in like five minutes, two minutes. Yeah, just, just let it roll. <laughs> yeah. Start and I'll say something. Um, well, where do, where do we start? So Lee, Lee and I were in a band previously. Um, we were the last two, I think my, my old band had about 17 different members at different points. So Lee and I were the last two ones standing. Um, so we decided to rebrand ourselves as a different band. Um, I first met Lee, or before, yeah, obviously before he joined my old band. Um, he used to play for a band without new guitarists, so it's kind of a it's all it's common a circle, I suppose. Hmm. Um, I, I essentially stalked him on social media because we needed a drummer. <laughs> so I scouted him out because I knew a knew good drummer. Just put him there. We, you know, <laughs> And, and a nice haircut, you know. And a good haircut. That goes a long way. So yeah. that's, that's we won't go into that. I mean, you know. Um, so that, that's how we met. And then uh, we started this band from that. And then, yeah, decided to relocate because we kind of done the Melbourne scene at that time. We felt we'd done that enough. And, and you actually wanted to work for America, didn't you? Yeah, I said, let's go to the US. And Doug said, that's a bit scary for me. So let's go to the UK. <laughs> yeah. So we did that. What's wrong yeah. with you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we, uh, it was just the two of us originally, quite a few shows as like a two and then a three piece before we moved away. And then um, got, a, got a live band going uh, in the UK, recorded uh, some tracks with Chris Potter. Some of them are still sitting waiting to be finished but one of them is is the single on our EP. Uh, Chris Potter produced uh, he's produced a couple of Verve albums, all of which Ashcroft solo stuff. He produced a Blur album. Hmm. Uh, Elba. Elba as well, yeah. Um, and also he's actually he wasn't officially the producer but he was like the lead engineer on um, Steel Wheels by the Rock Stone. So he's done he's got mm-hmm. a pretty good song. Um, and we also did some song with uh, the lead singer for Ride, Mark Gardner. Um, so yeah, so it's a uh, yeah, pretty well read EP, <laughs> I guess you'd say. Yeah, um, yeah and, you know, we used to play some gigs over there, a couple of festivals, but uh, I've been based back here the last of a year or so, and uh, that brings up the present day, really. Yeah, I mean, the last year's been the best. Oh, the strongest, probably. It's been. It's yeah. It's 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 been the most certain, I think. You know, because when we're in the UK, we didn't really know how long we're going to be there for, and mm. and um, you know, we had to come go back and forth a few times, and it, we were a little bit uncertain, a little bit kind of. And in, in this industry, you know, you kind of need certainty, otherwise you just you just drown. So yeah. since we've 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 had that, which we didn't have over there, and, and um, 
yeah, looking forward. I think it's it's yeah, it's been better for us as well. And what's you know, UK is great. It's it's got a great industry, um, but the scene is very difficult, especially in London, because you know we think cost of living in in Sydney and Melbourne, wherever it may be in Australia, is tough. But in London, it's just next level. So you know, creative people, it's so hard for them to survive in London. And, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, the underground scene is suffering. There are only a handful of venues in London you can really play. Um, but as an industry, it's it's it, it, it differently what we've got here. So it's um, at a bound at our level. It was sort of there was there was promise there, but it was just hard to get past that first step. So we you know, we, we have gone a couple of festivals and played a few gigs, but um, it's very difficult to survive just as people. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> <laughs> I think there's not really these days in the music industry. There's not mid level is tougher than a mid level was. You know, Absolutely. 30 years ago. I mean, 30, 30 years ago, you could, you know, it, it's struggling, be struggling, but it, it could be a yeah. job. You could actually survive yeah. as a mid level band and then, you know, like ask yourself a couple of things exactly. after a 12 yeah. months period. But a mid level band out, you know, these days you've got to have a job as well as a full time job as a musician. It's just, you know, uh, it's very difficult. So mm-hmm. we found it easy here. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And obviously you'd be coming back to, you know, family and friends as well. You, you've got that inherent support network, whereas you guys upping and moving over there, you'd have to create it from scratch. And how was that all like? Sorry? Like, you know, like moving over to the UK, you know, making friends for the first time and and that. How well, was that experience? I had a brother in, in London, so that was really helpful. Mm. Uh, um and you know, we we met our now partners <laughs> in yeah in London, so nice. we created our own network, I guess you could say, mm. which which is very helpful. Um, but yeah, it was very difficult. Whereas here, you just have that kind of safety net, I guess, of, of friends and family. Yeah. Having said that, though, we did sort of waltz into London and meet people that we probably didn't think we were going to. Didn't we? Yes. Some beats of royalty. <laughs> yeah. mm. yeah, yeah. As a bass player, we had the granddaughter of Ringo Starr as our bass player for a few weeks. Eh? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that was uh, that was interesting. That, that's the thing about music, I guess, that keeps them interested. Apart from songwriting songs and touring, it's we kind of we kind of waltzed in there, and yeah, instead of just the, re- the recording session with Chris Potter was pretty early on as well. So um, our our view of, you know, life as musicians in, in London slash the UK was possibly through um, a, a pretty nice filter when we first got there, you know. It was summer when we got there, hanging out with, you know, rock stars and stuff, pulling arms, you know, whatever. Yeah, it was, it, it, then it got much harder, much <laughs> very quickly, but... But, um, it yeah. did, but you know, uh, 12 months later or a year later, oh, sorry, or two years later, you, you don't really... You don't remember those. I don't really remember the hard times. Oh, I do. The dark times. I remember sort of just uh, being in my tiny little room in, in Hoxton and asking myself some serious, some pretty serious existential <laughs> question. Uh, it's just like, I don't, don't remember any of this. <laughs> yeah. The song's out of it, so it's nice. Yeah. So, <laughs> not just like, what am I doing in London, but what, what are we doing as, as a species? <laughs> well, I guess like you kind of have to go through that to write songs, right? Like, 
I don't know. I, I feel like personally, it's hard to write a song when you're like in a good mood. So Probably. like when, when you're happy, like, I mean, uh, this is my opinion, at least, or like my experience, like when you're happy, there's like no, unless you're extremely happy, but if you're just like in a good mood, like there's nothing really to feed off. You know what I mean? Sense. Like, <laughs> you, you want to make, yeah. Um, like, you know, if you want to, if you want to write sort of um, something like Walking on Sunshine, then no, you probably don't want to be in a, in a, in a you know, you probably want to be in a pretty good state. So it, it kind of depends. Yeah, I guess that um, is true. My idea of my idea of happiness isn't isn't that superficial. Like, I mean, one of the songs I wrote on on the EP, Queen Without a King, I wasn't happy as such. Like you know, it was pretty tough going in London. We didn't have much money, um, but at the time I was busking. I think so I couldn't legally work. I had a pretty, you know, I was. I wasn't happy, but I wasn't. I wasn't depressed either. So you know, I mean, and I wouldn't call it a depressing song or a happy song. It's just kind of a. It's just you know, uh, and if you if you're listening to to EP when it comes out, you can up your own mind. But like it's, yeah, I, you, you don't have to be depressed to write songs but if you but you know if you are in a bad place and you probably will have a better perspective on mm. on that thing like you know Amy Winehouse back to black you know mm. for example yeah. you know she could have written that if, if she was going through a, a happy time yeah um, but yeah it, 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 it really comes down to what what sort of song it is and, um, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, I guess I didn't think of that. That is true, though. Exactly, because I think there's like a like a bad connotation inherently that when someone says um, music is my outlet, that people already like attach like negativity to it. Mm. It's like, oh, this person yeah. must be going through a lot of shit, and they gotta you know offload. But maybe they're feeling like other like intense kind of feelings that you know aren't necessarily depression mm. or sadness, and they need to get it out. So. It's really, I think music is a great, you know, platform to, you know, explore a range of different feelings and, and you know, what they might mean. Yeah, that's true. Be about whatever it wants to be about, you know. Yeah. Um, so if, if you're going through a rough time, then you can document that if you want, or you can um, maybe write positive music to get yourself mm. out of it. I don't know. But, yeah, um, that's true. It really does depend on the artist and, and what's... Because like, at the end of the day, like, I mean, it can be, but for most people, music isn't just a diary. You know, you do have an idea mm. of what sort of music you want to make, and, mm. and um, you know, it might it might suit it might suit you to be in a tough place because that might be the sort of songs that you want to write or that you record like once you write. You know, it's just very independent on who it is. Like yeah. you know, the Smiths, like um, some pretty depressing songs that that, that Morrissey wrote with mm. Johnny Marr, and it um, doesn't mean that he was in a, a rubbish state every day, but when he was, he probably made it count. So, yeah, yeah, that's true. Hmm. Yeah. But then I guess, like, you also have artists that don't really, like, necessarily care about lyrics. They just, like, care about the music. Um, you know, like, I know with mm. Kings of Leon, like, their lead singer, he basically just, like, wrote... He was really embarrassed of what he was writing. So for, like, the first two albums, he just mumbled, basically, <laughs> whenever he yeah, sung. That's so, and that's that, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, I hadn't read or heard that, but that doesn't surprise me at all because, like, they're really good lyrics, especially on my first two albums. Um, really sort of observant and really introspective yeah. at times. And, but then he's playing with a rock band, so you, you know, you kind of allow yourself a bit more sort of yeah. uh, sensitivity when you've got, you know, sort of long haired brothers and stuff playing, playing rock mm. music. So, yeah, mm. I, I like it. Yeah. 
That's a good point because he said, I read an interview about him once and he said that he, whatever the band likes, he likes the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Not on purpose. Whenever, you know, the first year's the, whatever they're, the, whatever they're writing and he's just like, yeah, that's not going to be a hit. And Sex on Fire comes out and, you know, I think that obviously they don't like that. Song, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but they, they had, like, a pretty rough time, I think, after Only By The Night because Only By The Night did so well. And then mm. when Come Around Sundown, like, the follow-up album, they basically tried to, like, redo what they did in Only By The Night and then Come Around Sundown, like, wasn't as successful because they, they tried to remake it. Which, again, comes back to the point of trying to remake something that mm. you've already done. Yeah. And even kind of just model it off that and then it just really mm. doesn't work because it doesn't connect in the same yeah, way yeah, and you're, yeah. not, you're not living in the same but, period. But I mean, you got to know when to move on. Definitely. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Unless you're ACDC, then I think you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of one. I mean, one of my favourite quotes from Angus Young. Actually, I don't have many quotes that I know of Angus Young, but but one of my favourites is when um, I think it was not their most recent album, but the one that came out before that, I think Black Up Ice, I think it was called. Some interviewer said, um, you know, this is just the tenth album in a row of the same songs over and over again. He said. You know, take that back. We've released whatever it was twenty albums that have been the same song over and over again. So, like, you know, they're, they're completely aware of the fact that it is just the same, same stuff, but it's done very, very well. You, you can't copy that because that's, you know, yeah. it's just something that you can't put your finger on. An interesting fact about ACDC is that mm. their manager. Do you know who their manager is? No, I don't. Angus Young. Oh, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. It doesn't trust anybody. And they're, you know what? I'm starting to understand. They're an indie uh, band. Yeah. 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 It's like taking, like, micromanaging to, like, the highest level. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you think you'd have enough to do. Yeah, I know. I can think of some football comparisons. Yeah. <laughs> So the way that we usually kick off each of our episodes is a segment called What's On Your Playlist. So basically that's when we choose a couple of tracks um, to delve into, you know, talk about why we really like them, you know, what's kind of caught our eye about them, mm-hmm. or ears rather. Mm-hmm. So I want you guys to kick us off. What's a track, you know, that you can't get out of your head at the moment? Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a few. However, one for me is um, Nick Cessna's um, solo album. Oh, that's beautiful, yeah. Yeah, so there's a song in there called God Knows. God Knows I'm Coming God Knows I'm Coming I'm Coming I think it's the eighth or ninth track. Um, Yeah, that's kind of something I'm listening to on repeat. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and like, and what really, you know, like, you know, draws you in about the track, like whether it's like, you know, like the guitars, the like, just overall instrumentation, the vibe. Yeah, um, I, I guess it's unpredictable. I think I think the whole album is really. Um, Nick, obviously being from Jet, um, I probably wasn't expecting a soul R and B album. I guess. Mm. But um, yeah, and I've been I've been listening to a little bit of Sharon Jones recently. Um, yeah, and I think that was one of his influences on there. So maybe I did get that idea from him to start listening to a bit of soul <laughs> and R&B. But you know, I think that's what dragged me in. It's it's kind of something that I'm listening to at the moment. That style. So Nick's the man at the moment. Lucky Nick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's literally like exactly with me as well because like I'm like, you know, like a rock and roll kind of fan 
and that's what you would kind of expect even like you know with Nick doing a solo album but then and seeing him doing like just such different things and you know fusing different sounds like it's, it's so refreshing to hear it yeah that's no, great yeah and he's um, what, I, what I like about um, that album and, and when, when lead singers do solo albums that aren't just um, another album that could have been by their band I mm. think it's it's refreshing when someone goes and does something different to what they what they've done in the past and what you know them as doing. Because if, if Nick had gone and done a, a Jet album, you think, well, why don't you do a Jet album? You know, so that's that's what's good mm. um, as well. Like about yeah. solo artists doing point. something different to yeah. what they've actually. Yeah, I guess also too, like, what's the point of going solo if you're going to write the exact same music that you did yeah. in a group? So, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. But a lot of people do it, and it's a big mistake. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point actually yeah and it's really cool because like like i like talked to him last year like for an interview and he was telling me about like he went he lived in like three different cities like he pretty much just up and upped and left to berlin to kind of try and find himself again and kind of pick up a guitar just got some time in the studio and then he was just running ever since and kind of found his way as a solo writer yeah absolutely well, i think he's based in milan now so yeah. um not doing too bad. <laughs> yeah, and I think he's he's like he's a co-owner of a restaurant as well, which is pretty insane. Yeah, he's open one. I know Nick uh, reasonably well, and he's um, he's doing really well. He's happy, and he's um, that's that's amazing. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Hats off to him. So I'm going to turn to you, Alice. To me. Yes. <laughs> so what's your first track? Um, this is really hard. Like I was listening to all these songs in the car on the way here, being like, which one am I going to pick? I say this every single <laughs> yeah, week. Yeah, exactly. Like, anyway. Um, but a band that I really like called Paris, um, spelt with a V instead of an A, they're from the US. I'm pretty sure they're from Massachusetts and, um, they just announced an Australian tour and it's the first, um, the first headline Australian tour that they've done here. So I'm pretty excited for that. And, um, they're kind of like a, like they have kind of like rock, even like punk rock roots, but their albums have been kind of combined that rock element with like synths and electronic elements so there's that kind of like uh what would you call it like rock kind of instruments but then they combine it with synths and so you've got this really cool like mesh of kind Mm. of like electro rock in a way um and yeah so i'm just the song that i'm gonna pick is their single called same soul it's almost very pop but at the same time it still has that like rock edge which i like about it um it's still really like kind of clean cut and put together but there's still that kind of edge to it if that makes sense and yeah, yeah makes i don't know. very excited yeah. to see them live so yeah that'd be cool yeah and is that something that you guys are into as well like you kind of like a mesh between like your pop and your rock and like synths is that yeah. something that you guys like absolutely and we don't use a lot of synths but in, in terms of the mesh between rock and pop that's probably where we sit you know mm. we're, we're not uh, we're not ACDC but we're not <laughs> um, you know Dusty Springfield so it's like it's somewhere in, in the middle there that's that's where we live yeah. Yeah. all the synth players have just crossed our band off the list to, yeah. to join a band as a, as a synth player probably be one or two we probably only need them for a bar yeah this is a problem with, it's difficult with uh, these sort of players yeah synth players especially yeah we don't want it for the whole song it's probably mm. too much nothing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. knows when to um, hold the reins I guess it's really tricky having the same lineup 
of instruments to every song you play. When mm-hmm. you're recording, you have more freedom to sort of, oh, well, I can hear a trumpet there or, you know, some strings there or synth or whatever. But when you're playing live, it's very difficult to sort of just play the same three or four instruments mm-hmm. during every song. So, you know, we could probably find a few songs that could, could do with some synth, but then you don't want every song to sound the same. So. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah, that is hard. Like, I mean, I used to play in a band and that was always my struggle. Like, how do you make a song sound different when you're always playing the same scale, like the same chords? And, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But... And that's actually a segue into my first track, actually. There you go. Because um, are you guys familiar with a UK band called Tesseract? Can't say no. They're um yeah they're a pretty um a big like kind of metal band um you know within the UK they're from Nottingham, um but the reason that I've kind of like chosen this as a segue is because the vocalist was talking about because he's pretty crazy like in the studio he does all these crazy vocal tricks and kind of applies like an ethereal kind of vibe to his vocals and then he finds that doing it live he just he can't replicate it and it's the same with like the other instruments. And that's something that he's kind of trying to, to, to work on, even like revisiting past albums and making them, you know, live ready. Um, which is, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, so the track, yeah, that I'm going to go into um, is a track called Luminary off um, their forthcoming album, Sonda. So that's their fourth record. And I think like it's just it's just a really good like I feel like they've really sharpened their sound like since um so the vocalist Dan he's just come back into the band after he left like back in um 2015 oh well that's when he rejoined actually but um he came back like he left like probably in like 2011 2012 and then came back um but yeah like it's just like it really just shows like the vocal power that he has but then also like that kind of um sensibility that he has towards the life stage as well which is kind of what we've all been talking about. So, yeah, it's really cool to see that on the track. So um, so what's the next track that you guys have for us? What's another one you've really been vibing on? Um, well, I mean, I'll, I'll yeah, find yeah. one. Um, title track from LCD Sound System's latest album, American Dream. going to see them at the Music Bowl here but they postponed the tour and um, it's disappointing but um, yeah obviously a uh, big Bowie fan as well and that's sort of got that kind of orchestral sort of cinematic Bowie feel to it mm-hmm. um, and yeah just really really love that kind of imagery of and, and concept of, of not just your everyday kind of song topic but just going sort of into more kind of yeah something a bit bigger and yeah it's, it's a really good song really good album yeah Mm, yeah, for sure. Are you a fan of LCD Sound System? Yeah, I really like them. Like, I haven't, I wouldn't say I'm like a huge fan because I haven't listened to like enough to kind of mm. call myself a fan, but mm. I really like what I've heard so far. Like, I've heard a couple singles and stuff here and there. No, oh, very nice. cool. Very cool band. Yeah. And in terms of like their live show, because you were talking about like really wanting to see them, like, I mean, how have they kind of been like described to you, or even if you've seen them in the past, what are they like? I think I'm, I meant to a while ago, but they sort of did the whole break up and get back together. So mm-hmm. I didn't see them before they broke up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, I guess it's what you were describing of sort of that, that it's not dance, it's not rock, it's it's not you know electronic. It's kind of a mishmash of all of them, and and that's kind of what you know um, 
if we're going to make more music that we've made, that's something what I'd like to kind of record. Not necessarily copy what they've done, but just be able to not be defined by one genre. You know, like mm. um, you know, their probably most famous album. It does cross from you know just straight up indie sort of late noughties guitar band stuff to more electronic to more danceable sort of songs. So. That's what I like. I really admire about them is that they're not just the one band playing the same song over and over again. Playing that live will be very difficult for a band at Adelaide, but I guess you're playing sort of massive little stadiums with arenas and, and outdoor gigs. You've got that sort of capacity to really sort of um, put on a performance, not just you know put together a three-piece band and, and bang them out. So mm. that's I guess that's the luxury a, a band at that level with that kind of infrastructure has. Because really, is it, it? It is kind of basically just a solo project with a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, but it was interesting that you were mentioning, you know, playing like different, you know, types of shows, whether it be like arena shows, festival shows, intimate gigs. Because if you're playing the whole spectrum, I mean, if you're that large and you get to play, you know, those types of shows, you'd have to have a different rig for every show and it would probably be a little bit difficult at the start, like going from from like, you know, the, the bar circuit to, you know, festivals and then arenas, like when you first yeah. make the jumps. That, that really is what, what sort of um, sets you apart from the rest of the pack as well. Um, you know, having having like, you know, we've got a couple of songs, we've got backing tracks and things, and it does make a difference to just, you know, I'm not, you know, some of my favourite bands are just, you know, three-piece rock bands, three, four-piece rock bands like, you know, The Who and that kind of thing and Let's Happen, but, um, you know, that's kind of been done, so I, I guess you do have to sort of set yourself apart and, and do something a little bit different. Like, for example, these days we're playing with just one electric guitar and one acoustic guitar because that's a little bit different to what everyone else does. You know, most bands will either be just a three-piece with one bass, one guitar and drums, or there'll be two guitars. Not many bands that sound like us do acoustic, even though on records they probably would have a couple of acoustic tracks. Mm. So it just makes it a little bit different uh, to everyone else. I think people comment on that as well. It mm. just gives a bit more texture, a bit more kind of charming sound. So, because we have acoustic guitars on the record, so why should we play them live? So it's mm. yeah, it's something. That... I've always thought if there's an acoustic guitar live, mm. then that, that band knows what they're doing. Mm. <coughs> I don't know yeah. Because but... also harder to play acoustic, like in a I feel like in a band setting when you're playing acoustic, even just like the feeling of the strings, like everything you need to press like harder. Yeah, and you really need to like, especially if you're playing like riffs and things like that, it's harder to play acoustic guitar like. So I feel like too yep. when you see a band like playing acoustic in like an, an electric setting or like a live setting with a full band, it is true. Like you kind of know that they know what they're doing because it's not easy. <laughs> you have to rely on you have to rely on a good sound system because if you're playing through an app, you know you you, you have most control over that. You know obviously there's you know, the sound person can change the levels and stuff, but you're still controlling what's coming out of that app. Mm. When you're playing acoustic, just through the monitor, it's you rely on a, on a on a good sound person, so it's a little bit scary. But you know, just add something a bit different to, to you know. We, we used to you know in, in our previous stuff, Lee and I, we'd have the two guitar, bass, drums thing. And this goes back to what I was saying earlier. It is harder then to make song make songs sound different to each other when when you're playing in the same way. Mm. I guess with the acoustic, it, it there's more of a um, more of a dynamic that you can sort of you are playing softer it is softer whereas with guitar it's just pretty loud all the time so mm. So, yeah, so for our next segment, which is our in-depth track review, so for those that are just tuning in, 
Um, so this is a segment where, you know, we pick like a latest like song um, from our guest um, and they're going to just talk about it for yeah. a little bit, like talk about any stories, what the process was like. And with this one is India Empress. you guys have just released there's an awesome music video with it as well so yeah just tell us about you know even if you want to hone in on the video or the instruments just yeah go for the video it video was um something that we just put together because we needed a video <laughs> uh, and um yeah so so i don't even know what movie that's from <laughs> i was googling stuff and that's what i found so well, like, we'll just go with a, a bollywood movie I don't think it's Bollywood, but it looks like it. I don't think it. I think it's anyway. Sorry, sorry. We, we do this a little bit. We'll start talking to ourselves. If you know <laughs> who that is, um, please let us know. Well, um, I will go digging for it. <laughs> in this song, um, that was one of the songs we recorded before we moved. Like we did a demo of it with with our mate Russell, um, and that and a few other songs. So it was that first thing as a band, really, as mm. this new band, and that was one of the tracks we did in that, and we took that over. We emailed that to, to Chris Potter and um, yeah, Mr. Chose that as the one to go with. I remember we made an appointment to see Chris Potter. Now, you know, we have recording studios in, in Australia and, 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 you know, like I was saying, we've got an industry, but it's nothing like Britain. So um, Metropolis Studios is in West London and it's it's, it's it's huge, multi-level, you know, art space. You know, with with a reception with two people on it, like it's not just one receptionist. There's two receptionists there, so we we had an appointment um, to see Chris Potter, and he's got his own little studio in this thing, which is half his office, half a little sort of overdub studio where he does like guitars and vocals and stuff. And um, we had an appointment to see him, and he was he knew he was going to see Shubham has at some point. I'm guessing, I'm hoping, yeah. Anyway, we got to the desk and. Um, you see Chris Potter, Chris Potter over here, and they asked for our names, and we answered our names as Doug and Lee because they're our names. They are so, um, <laughs> so Chris came out about five minutes later, um, introduced ourselves, you know, took us back to the to his studio, which is kind of if you know the scene in um, in his final attack where they're trying to find the stage, uh, and they get lost trying to find the stage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a bit like that, like to go up like a, a couple of stairs, round like some, you know, some renovations and stuff and you finally get to his office. So it was a bit of a hike to get there and then sat down, had a chat. I don't know what we would talk about for five minutes, but it obviously wasn't us because about five minutes later he said, oh, okay, so do you want to play that track again? It's a great technique, by the way. Yeah, and, um, <laughs> and about 30 seconds in he goes, oh, I know who you guys are. So <laughs> <laughs> absolutely no idea who we are. We had made an appointment to see him, but he completely forgot about it. And because we didn't say we were Shubham Hadley, we just said we're Doug and Lee. Uh, he had no idea who we were either. So, uh, yeah, it, it took about five minutes for him to even know who we were, and, and then the meeting began, mm. which was fine. <laughs> but uh, it was um, pretty fun. You yeah. had to be there. Oh, for sure. But it's like as soon as you turn the music on, it's all right. Everything will work out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, that, that's super cool. And um, and I guess, like, talking more broadly just about, like, the whole EP, um, I guess what's kind of been, like, your headspace in terms of, you know, writing it, like, not even if there's not necessarily a theme, but kind of just, like, the things that you were feeling, like, what really stands out to you about, you know, the process of writing the record? Well, it was written over quite a 
long period of time actually because we I mean it's kind of a collective it wasn't written within you know like a month before we went and recorded it, it was they were all from different recording sessions producers uh, yeah so like one of them self-produced we recorded it actually yeah the oldest song in, on EP is not even a singer it's, it's, it's false prophets but we got Mark Gardner to remix that um, and then Mark Gardner produced and recorded and mixed um, Queen Without a King um, Mighty Marianne was a self-produced thing as well with our, with our guitarist in the UK uh, so yeah it, it's kind of a it's kind of a four track greatest hit so it's kind of like asking someone um, you know what was your headspace when you wrote your greatest hits because that, it really is like that like we mm. didn't it's not it's kind of not really a record it's kind of like a sample of four songs because uh, that and that kind of sums up what we've been doing as a band in the last few years. I, I think the single is that. It's like a single with three it's, B-sides. But they're, mm. but they're pretty good B-sides. But they're pretty good B-sides. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> Can't wait to hear them. Yeah. yeah so, <laughs> so, yeah, so it's, it's hard to answer that question because it, it wasn't in one short space mm-hmm. time. I guess mm-hmm. if you ask us our next record, then we'd be able to answer that a bit, a bit easier because, you know, we're different people throughout that whole process. And... Um, yeah, it's it's been a very interesting process. <laughs> Probably the next record we'll do will be about that process. I guess. Yeah. And, yeah. and a conversation on a podcast will be about that. Yes, situation. yes, exactly. <laughs> we're, we're never in the present. We're always talking about the past. But I guess life, you're never actually in the present. Ooh, don't let him get into this deep stuff. Oh, oh don't worry, don't, don't worry. We we're all about the deep stuff. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, we, we always talk about this. But um, but yeah, it's interesting to you know to hear about like you know different ways of, of songwriting and how like EPs like kind of come together. Like when like they're kind of bits and bobs from different places and different times. It kind of reminds me of um of you guys know Daisy Death Rays. Um, and like how one of them's like in Brizzy and one of them's like in, in like Melbourne and they kind of just have to flip back and forth like on emails and stuff and then occasionally one of them will fly over to the other the other's place and then they'll kind of jam or whatever but it's kind of just like kind of bits and bobs like that way which is also what I can imagine yeah. would be pretty difficult. Yeah, whatever works so I guess. Mm. I mean, I know Holy Holy do the same thing. They sort of one guy lives in Tasmania, one's in Brisbane. You know, I guess you meet up every few months with some ideas, and yeah, um, I think a lot of bands now practice their own ideas at home. Even if you know the songwriter writes a song and sends it to the drummer, or you spend a bit of time at home first. Mm. Yeah, I guess everything too is so accessible. Like it's so easy if you get like if you get an idea for a song, it's so easy to just like record it into you know any pro like final cut or not final cut that's the editing service the other one pro tools yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like you know it's really easy to just like edit i mean like record something and edit it and send it over um and mm. like almost get like instant feedback or even add like electronic drums or like add the elements that you can't play or like you can't record um so that's it's the other thing too easy. sorry yeah yeah it's almost too easy, which which is it's great for you know holly holly and, and bands that to do that, but um, I think a bit of the magic's lost when you're sitting. I agree. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, whatever works, because it makes absolutely no difference whether you add it in five minutes later or three months later. Mm. But just from the purest level. Yeah, it depends what process you enjoy, yeah. I yeah. think. It's, mm, definitely. Um, one yeah. to me is the one we do is more authentic, but. But then at the same time, at the same time, we still probably add something in later on. Yeah. So yeah, whatever works. But yeah, it's so easy to. To, to make a good sounding record now that uh, 
it stands so hard to make a better sounding record than everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's that whole like trying to sound out above the white noise kind of thing because they're just we're saturated mm. with, and I'd say definitely, especially kind of like you know within pop music and even to an extent rock music. Um, I feel like like a lot of younger artists are feeling pressured to kind of copy or do better than their predecessors to the point where they just they don't know you know what kind of music to put out which is pretty upsetting to see that's i think you've, you've really i mean look at the end of the day you know the goal is to try and i mean the goal used to be you know become rich and famous the goal now the equivalent now 2018 is to be able to make a living out of the music that's the goal mm-hmm. um that is, is is a bonus you know that might be a car or something but like the, the goal for us is to be able to be professional musicians and mm. So I can understand why there's pressure on you to try and make music that's um, that's going to sell more than other music. But, if, but assuming you're at that level, regardless, uh, mm. uh, I yeah, I, I don't see the point in um, in trying to impress other people. You've really got to make what's best for you. And mm. yeah, you know, I think we're saturated with perfection too, with technology. Yeah, hundred percent. So yeah, like, the level is so high for perfection that the, the, the as Doug said, it takes out the it's just yeah the rawness it's just, yeah it's just um we, we we definitely choose the latter option for sure yeah that's definitely i mean like and it's something that like a lot of like punk bands i think especially like on the local scene they're kind of reviving that kind of diy you know music that's not technically perfect but really is just like it goes along with one feeling and that's what's connecting with people like like the trophy eyes with columbus um like those kinds of bands that are really just you know connecting with people on the rawness of their music not on how technically perfect they sound like with auto-tune or or whatever it is well, it's good good leaving the mistakes in because um, mm. they make mistakes in the real world. <laughs> Bands are allowed to as well, you know. Mm. Perfection is boring. It's like a, it's, you know, it's, it's like um, it's like a mannequin is is you know, it's, it's a boring face, isn't it? Like, mm. But it's yeah, that's yeah. Exactly. And what is perfection anyway? I mean, that in itself is subjective. Yeah, and to, to nail something with hard work, blood, sweat, and tears is better than you know pushing a button. So now we're going to go into our last um, segment on the podcast. So this one's a bit of a fun one. So I've decided to, t- uh, to kind of put a spin on future cult classics, just the name, and kind of, you know, talk to you guys about some of your favorite cult classic movies, if you guys have got any. Um, Same way. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was an actual segue. That was a good segue. <laughs> or like cult classics, like TV shows. Yeah, or, or even TV shows, yeah. Like, or books even. Um, but yeah, what what's something that you really like that's kind of kind of underground, underrated? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you call this underrated, but it's it's um, the, there's actually a track we have which we play live, which might will probably will be our future release. Um, this is the first thing I thought of, by the way. This well, is why we're in a band. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a it's a movie called Dead Man. That's got Johnny Depp. Uh, it's basically a. Um, I'm, I'm, look, I'm, I'm pretty cool, but I'm not cool enough to remember the name of the director. So there you go. So, Johnny Depp. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a film uh, buffy sort of person, um, as I am music. But yeah, it's it's a film called um, Dead Man, and it's basically an indie postmodern western in black and white. 
it's from the 90s. Johnny Depp is the main protagonist, hmm. and by someone called William Blake. Um, so he shares the name of the famous English poet, writer, painter, William Blake. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it's a Western. Uh, Iggy Pop's in it. Randomly. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, the soundtrack is by Neil Young, and it's yeah. So if if that is enough to make you go see that film, but the, what I should warn you though, you you will need to see it about twelve times before <laughs> you start really, really, really enjoying it. Well, that's not to say you won't enjoy it the first time you see it, but I actually enjoy it um, more the next time I see it. Every time I see it. I've probably seen it about, oh, maybe eight times. Eight times. Eight times. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Maybe, I... maybe, maybe. <laughs> I'm, I'm just sort of going down and down, but it's, um, yeah, so it's, it's really good movie. So it's mine. Definitely on my list. Like, as soon as you said Johnny Depp, Neil Young, Iggy Pop, I'm sold. And I'll probably watch yeah. it maybe at least 20 times, but we'll see how we go. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Anything else, Lee? Sorry, I saw your thunder there. Oh, is, is someone's, have you guys, is, do we do you or do we do us? I don't know. I mean, you guys can go yeah, first. So, yeah, you The guys. only, like, cult <laughs> thing I can think of is, like, The X-Files because, like, my parents watched it and I grew up watching it and that's, like, kind of got a cult sort of thing. I but think, yeah, the yeah, new season is, like, not very good, so, <laughs> you no, know? No, that's all subjective anyway, you know, so... But I would, I don't know, that's the only thing I can think of. I really like The X-Files. Not a super, like a big fan of the new season, but like I still watch it. So. <laughs> I mean, like it's interesting because like my, my favorite TV show like is massive around the world, but it's still kind of considered as a cult kind of TV show. Buffy, you guys have probably heard of it. Um, yeah, but um, but yeah, that for me is like it's probably my all-time favorite because like you think it's going to be a really like a tacky thing and like, and kind of silly, but I mean, I think you can probably skip season one because that's kind of like teenage nostalgia. But two, like seasons two to seven, like they actually explore like issues that people have, you know, and they face growing up. Series one to get the series two. Yeah, season you two. Watching series one, so it's a chore to get through, but yeah. you'll be glad you got it. It's one of those. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, what about you guys? You got any more? Lee, Lee. Hmm. Cult classics. See, I'm more. I'm not really going to go to underground, but I, straight away I just think of like Ghostbusters. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. <laughs> and they did the remake. Did you see the remake? Yeah. What do you think? Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> you guys obviously liked that. Actually, I've never, I haven't seen the remake yet, so I, yeah, I don't have an opinion as of yet. But I don't know. I have a bit of trepidation seeing it. I'm just, I'm just not a fan of remakes. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless it's like, you know, unless it's, um, you know, an adaptation of a novel. Because then the first one's already a remake, so it's just another remake. But when you've got an original film, mm. uh, don't like remakes. I think we should be making our own thing, you know. That'd be like us releasing a cover album rather than our own album, you know. Mm. Uh, we should be trying to make new, we should be trying to make the equivalent of Ghostbusters for this generation rather than just recreate it. That's yeah. my personal opinion. Mm. What about Back to the Future? Oh, uh, well, that's, yeah. Oh, yeah. My, um, my partner's a massive fan of Back to the Future. He's watching yeah. Back in the Future. So you couldn't really make that. I, I understand no. your point. There's no, you, you just wouldn't bother. I mean, it can't mm. get any mm. I guess that's not whatever remake. No, it's about money. <laughs> oh, for yeah. sure. It's like if someone tried to, like, like, remake the entire Harry Potter franchise, that would just be a recipe for disaster. 
Or Seager and the Hazard's future called Classic CP. I mean, who knows? I'd be, happy, <laughs> I'd, be ha- I'd be happy for like someone to be a cover band of us. I'd be fine with that. I'd be fine with someone remaking our music. Because that's original in a sense, if they mean yeah. to put their own spin on it. You know what, though? Um... A tour of some country we can't be bothered getting to. They could just do it for us. <laughs> just make sure they look alike. So I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, well, that's well. They don't need to know that. Yeah. That's true. yeah. Well, um, Tegan and Sarah, they recently they did like a reissue of their album, The Con. Like I think it was the 10th anniversary, and instead of just like reissuing it, they got um, some of their favorite artists to cover each song, and they kind of changed it up and like made quite different covers. So I think that's like that's a cool. Yeah, that's. I guess that's a bit different though. That, that's not. Yeah, that's not. That's not the same as. As remake, like yeah, yeah, exactly. But I, the, the idea of like, if you're going to remake or like re-release something, kind of change it up and yeah, I guess with music, it's a lot more fluid yeah, when if you're calling different. something like a remake or a cover because yeah. there is originality um, with it as well. Yeah, but yeah. Although sometimes like movie adaptions still turn out bad. Like, oh, didn't they try and do like a Mean Girls two or something, and like Disney produced it? That that was bad. That's a horror movie. <laughs> but someone made money out of that, so let's all respond to that. Oh yeah, they would have made like Killing. That's the thing, I guess. Do you sell yourself for money, or um? I think for most of the world, <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> Yeah. But um, at least, I mean, you guys here obviously aren't selling your souls. You guys are doing an awesome job um, with killer music. How much yeah. you ask? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he could have sold it to the devil. That's maybe that's why I think the yeah. you know? I don't think the devil's got much money anymore. Yeah. No. He's, he's got a lot of pitchforks. <laughs> he's coming back, though. Yeah, yeah, he's on his way. He's got a lot of pull uh, within certain seconds. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, thanks for the warning um, yeah. for us and our, um, and our listeners. Mm. Yeah, yeah, the devil's on its way. Yep. Yeah, don't, <laughs> don't join the Illuminati. <laughs> well, I think, that's, I think that's a prerequisite. You know, yeah. so, <laughs> but just in case. We well, might know if we kill Kennedy, you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's what we could be doing a bit. Yeah. And I think that's a great way to end the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the conspiracy theories. Oh, oh, yeah, we're totally into that. That could, be, that could be another, like, episode Don't and a half. Don't even start me on conspiracy theories. <laughs> yeah, that, that's not. <laughs> anyway. There are very successful podcasts about conspiracy theories. So, you know, we could do, us like, a spin-off podcast about yeah. Oh, my God, that could be pretty cool, like a short Yes, thing. yes, yes. I love that yeah. idea. Yeah, I love watching, like, all those weird, like, conspiracy documentaries, like, on Netflix. All the low-rated ones, I make sure that they've got, like, one or two <laughs> stars. <laughs> really, that's got to be really bad. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that's why. I, like, I love watching, like, the really weird, like, obscure things. You'll be all over this. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I watched one about, because, um, you know, there's the conspiracy that Paul McCartney died in ICCC forever. So I was watching one on YouTube, and it was about <laughs> 10 minutes before I realized this wasn't a piss take. I genuinely, <laughs> thought, I genuinely thought that this was a, a taking a piss out of the conspiracy, but it wasn't. It was actually a conspiracy wow. video. Yeah. I'm just getting all sorts of creepy images now. Like, it's just implanted. I, well, I can't my favourite one is, like, how all of the US government are, like, all reptilians. That's a good one. That's and they're all family. Sorry? Yeah, yeah. I know about that one. Yeah. And the royal family as well. The royal family, yeah. And there's, there's like, videos of, like, Obama... Obama's like security, like morphing. Into, oh my god, oh. this sounds like a series. So um, good. Grim. Look, honestly, <laughs> if you just like search reptilians like on YouTube, there's so much. <laughs> yeah. Well, our people, we'll, we'll join you for the conspiracy podcast series. Yeah. For sure. 
Yeah, yeah actually, let's it. make this happen. Yeah. <laughs> no one likes music anymore anyway. Let's just talk about Yeah, yeah, let's, let's just talk about, yeah. like, you know, aliens and, and, and you know, morphing it's human beings. And... It's a conspiracy. It mm. is very well put, very poignant. Yeah. Thank you, Doug. Mm. Mm. This doesn't exist. Yeah, well, <laughs> imagine if there's, like, you know, if there's that theory that, like, we're all just inside a video game and, like, someone's playing us. Anyway. Well. Great. Great way to end it. <laughs> yeah, but, um, but thank you so much, um, both of you guys, for coming on the podcast and hopefully a conspiracy one to come as well. But, um, yeah, thanks for hanging with us. It's yeah. been a blast. Thanks for having us. Thanks, guys. No worries. Thank you. No worries. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for listening to our podcast. This is episode six of General Admission. We're starting to lose count. Yeah. Um, but um, so that was a great episode with Shiva and the Hazards. We had a really great time. And as always, you can find the, our extended playlist on Spotify under GA Weekly. Or if you search General Admission, we are on Spotify. Go and have a look at the tracks for this week. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram at GA Podcast or on Twitter, GA underscore podcast. And um, yeah, as usual, we're plugging all of our socials. We're very, we just want you to follow yeah, us, rel- please. Rel- relentless of promotion. But um, but no, do um, stay tuned for a conspiracy podcast oh, featuring yeah. Shiver and that. Yeah. Uh, you can already see that that was going on a completely different tangent, which is yeah. kind of where we wanted it to end up. Um, but yeah, so thanks so much um, to all of you guys, whether you've been hanging around since episode one mm. or whether you're just tuning in now or if you came yeah, in midway, yeah. we love all of you guys and we'll see you next week. Yeah. See you later. You're listening to General Admission, where we bring you your front row ticket to the stories behind the sound.